just to kind of give you guys a, a setup, my real estate friends uh, and my my audience uh, for today's webinar really is around real estate. And so I find that really the people who are in the market, who are investors, people who are in the loan industry, sometimes real estate agents. I actually, most real estate agents who aren't like average real estate agents, I find actually aren't interested in this data. They just want to sell. They don't want to be consumed with like how their job might be uh, next year or if they need to be looking for more work in the next year. It's a fascinating idea, but really good real estate agents follow this data because they want to be positioned well, one for listing homes, uh, being real with their clients, but also it, it adds a level of sophistication if uh, they're wanting to be like a listing agent. So uh, I've gotten a lot of traction on my following for this podcast. And for those of you who are like, well, I'm not really into real estate, Matt, or I've got my own house, it affects everyone. Uh, what we'll be talking about also affects rental prices and whether or not you should be considering moving. Uh, we've talked about this with other asset classes. You can time a lot of things, guys. Everything from the car that you're driving, which home that you're renting or buying, and most importantly, uh, what stocks, indices, uh, trades that you might be making into the market. So uh, having said that, I'm just looking at my agenda for the day. We've got to go first and do just a really quick recap on our gold trade. So we're going to go into that really quickly. Let me pull that up. I'm just going to bring this up on the charts. And I'll let you guys see what's going on here. So this is gold on the on our on green chart, our charts. And um, you can see if we go back, this is set on a daily chart right now. So I'm going to zoom in. So this was uh, this is today, yesterday, day before, day before that. So one, you know, just count five days. One, two, three, four, five. We were in here uh, last week. If you guys remember, we had this like little green candle uh, last Friday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday happened. And what did we say? Do you remember? What we talked about was this breakout in this channel. So we knew this old trend, this uptrend that we were in before we were done with. And that breakout was going to be strong. And sure enough, it did that. In fact, it, it fully retraced it within one week. But what we knew is we had support at the 1800 level. We had additional support at 1882 if it was going to cross through that. And then we had resistance in 1967. But we knew that because of this channel, we knew because of this nonlinear support that was basically going down, uh, you know, not at a radical slope, but less than 45 degrees, you could see that we were, we had a lot of pressure to the upside. We've got kind of this, you know, if you were to throw a ball at a wall, we had this wall, you could call it or support 1800. But we also, even though the channel or the price, the nonlinear support or the nonlinear resistance was moving down and we were definitely in a downtrend, you still had the support here also. And so we said, look, if this broke down into the downside, you guys knew what I was saying, like you're going to see some movements, but it's likely going to bounce at like the 1756 and then it's going to slow down at the 1674 level. It didn't do that. It didn't like that. It broke back up, fully retraced the entire last week. 
And we're pretty bullish on gold anyways, long-term. And so when you're positioning into this, pretty great trade going into the upside. However, let's talk about next week. Next week is going to be a little challenging in terms of consolidation. And to have a move like this on Friday, which is not uncommon, by the way, it broke that 882 level and it just didn't have anything. It had no resistance other than this channel resistance. And look, guys, it hit it. It's tested it. My guess would be today, uh, just from volatility, volume in the market, we're, at, we're heading into the weekend. It's probably not going to break this level today. And going into Monday, because of all the recalibration, there's more likelihood from a technical analysis standpoint that we're going to see some short movement uh, into like Monday and Tuesday. It's not highly probable, but it's likely you're going to see some slowing down into this channel. Now, because we're in this, I want to zoom in really tight so you guys can see this and not get distracted by all the other noise going on here. Because of this V that's happening in the market, this downward pressure from this line and this upward pressure from our support, this little bubble onto the right of this really large green candle gets smaller and smaller. And so Monday, could it stay in this little, little uh, I don't know what you want to call it, this wedge? Yes, it could. You know, the typical, if you go back Friday, this candle today was outrageous. But if you go back one, two, three, four, five days, any of those candles easily could fit inside of this wedge. But the pressure and the likelihood of it every day after that diminishes. And so every day, the percentage likelihood of this staying in this wedge drops, drops, drops. Now, there is likely pressure. If it, if it breaks this 1882, you've got almost a full retracement, guys, to the previous lows of the 1800. Two, you do have some light support at 1840, uh, 1848. And then to the upside, if it breaks this 19, well, every day that that amount goes lower. But if it breaks this nonlinear uh, resistance level, guys, you've got some major potential upside all the way into 1967. So how do you play this going into Monday? How do you play this going into Tuesday? Well, you're going to look for breakouts. And we're getting close to one. If we have a major, and I wouldn't, again, because it's Friday, unless something radical happens that breaks this out, I wouldn't be putting a trade towards the long side, towards eight or towards the 1967 level. Uh, I'd be patient until Monday. But if Monday we get a strong breakout up, you could take a buy trade. Uh, obviously set your take profits, guys, just below the 1967 level. Say your stop losses below the 1882 level. If this comes down, if this stays in this wedge and then breaks towards the downside, this 1882 level, you'd put in a sell trade. You could put a take profit in at this 1884, but I would be putting it right above this 1800 level, setting my stops way above the 1967. And then if you're buying, setting your stops below the 1882. So let me, let me just kind of share risk on this trade. You have less risk to the upside than you do to the downside on this trade. And let me tell you why. It's how close we are to a support and resistance level. When I put in my trade into a buy somewhere close to this 1967 level, obviously below, but you know somewhere above that, my stop 
it's going to be at this 1882 level. So the risk that I'd be putting in this trade would be pretty tight uh, because we're counting on a bounce, right? The opposite is also true. However, the risk is higher because our resistance level at 1967, I'd have to put my stop clear up here. If it hit it, I'd lose way more on the trade to only potentially gain you know, we already have kind of drawn in the soft support. I might take my take profit just here, which means I'm asking for a little, risking a lot. And we don't like, I personally don't like trades like that. I like my risk to reward ratio to be like to a one to four. And so obviously uh, I'm going to be a little more hesitant to go into a short trade. If there's a breakout where if it goes into the high side or a buy, I feel a lot more confident. And you have to kind of remember your overall sentiment. How do you fundamentally feel about gold prices? And my sentiment is long right now. And this week, there's been lots of data, lots of news. Inflation's not taming. There's a, you know, the war in the Middle East. All, all of these things contribute to a bullish uh, gold price. And we're seeing that in the sentiment this week. Uh, I would be less skeptical or less hesitant to put in buy trades than sell trades right now, just from a fundamental standpoint. So there's gold guys. We've kind of mapped this out. I'm going to leave this on. We haven't had to change any of our drawings, our tools, everything we drew in on this has held since last week. So we haven't had to change anything. Uh, you might adjust it a little, you know, you could probably put this right on that line there. You know, you can bring this in a little bit here. But I mean, that's that's it. There's not much more. Oops, let's bring that back. There's not much else that we can do around this. So I'll save this so that we've got it. We'll go, we'll do the S&P 500 if we've got time at the end. I'm really interested to show you guys my prediction. In fact, let me just give you a sneak peek of the S&P 500 trade that we did. But we we called it. I mean, gosh, we called it so well on Friday. And the next couple of days stayed right inside of our range. But uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a second. So um, let's step out of this for just a second. Let's get into our meat and potatoes for the week. And we're going to go in. Oh, I have. I like to go into a psychology of trading. And I was going to do my full uh, how, to, how to clean up when you're out of integrity, like when you make a promise or when you make an agreement with yourself or with someone else or with your trading or your plan or your goals inside of your finances, and it doesn't quite go the way that you wanted, then it's like, how do I clean this up? And I was going to go through that today, but we have some time constraint issues because when I do this uh, market pulse on real estate, we have a lot to cover. I mean, there's a lot of news guys to go over and it's shocking and it's i'm i'm surprised that the mainstream legacy media is not covering this uh so that's why i i'd like to go into detail on these things today so here's here's your psychology tip for the day uh, it's just a piece of insight a piece of consideration to, to see the markets and i'm i'm gonna do it it's gonna be really quick but this is the s p 500 guys right and this goes back i'm gonna let it load a little bit but this pricing goes back for a couple of years and the price goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And I want to have you start to see the price as a emotional consensus of the general population. 
not all the population, but the general population. And what is consensus? And I would call it consensus and sentiment. What is the general consensus and sentiment of the market? Well, the price reflects that. And where there's opportunity is when consensus and sentiment is wrong. When the general population is uh, complacent with the market, maybe over bullish, over bearish, and the reality is not so. And what I want to drive with this point is how can you tell the difference, Matt? Like, what is your tool? What is the thing that you use to really help see is the consensus correct? Is the market sentiment in the right place? And the way that I actually put myself in check is I don't trust my feelings ever. The data, the numbers don't lie. You can't have numbers lie. And today, as we go through the numbers in the U.S. housing market, as we go through these charts, and I'm going to show you actually right after this what the news is saying about the housing market crash. More importantly, what they're not saying. And I want you to get a feeling of like, what is the general public thinking about the, the housing market? What are realtors saying? What, what, is, what are these... You know, I wouldn't call them low, they're, they're, they're kind of like a low educated mid, meaning like they're really not well educated, even in their own industry. They're just uh, taking orders, so to speak, in whatever the industry is. And their sentiment is based on emotion, typically when you ask them, but the numbers don't lie. And in fact, when you start showing them the numbers, they actually get offended, like, like you're you're doing something to the market and it's like, I'm not doing anything to the market. The numbers are just what they are. You're the one living way out of reality. And I'll tell you, uh, if you ever try fighting reality, you're going to lose. And if you're losing in your trading, you're losing in your investments, if you're losing uh, in your ability to make good investments, it's because you're likely fighting with reality. You've You've created some virtual reality of what's actually going on. And the market, it doesn't tolerate that. You can wish uh, the market to go any direction you want. You can smoke as much hoping as you like, but the reality is that's that's just not going to work, okay? So let's jump into what the news is saying and not saying about the real estate market. Let me pull this, this uh, Google search up that I just did, because I think this will kind of set the tone of where, kind of where we're going with all this. So let me bring it up. Sorry, guys. I don't know how I got muted there for a second. I was unmuted and then someone muted me. Let me go through the, I was just going over why and what's happening in the market. And more importantly, uh, what the news is saying and not saying uh, about the, existing real estate market. So let me go into this and I'm going to show you this search. I'm going to pull this off. Apologize, guys. I've had two technical difficulties already and one of them was my audio clicking over. Um, here it is. So here's the housing market from the news's perspective. I typed it in as clear as you possibly could. I went into Google. I said, housing market crash. And if you go through this, it's fascinating. 
how the news is spinning any negative news about the housing market. I mean, frankly, it looks like, like for example, this article, the housing market looks like a bubble, 2008 regulator says, but when you actually click on the article and you read through it, this is just clickbait. This, this uh, title is just clickbait to get you into the article because what it actually talks about has the federal regulator says, yeah, this looks like a bubble, but we don't think that the prices of houses are going to come down. We don't think that the market uh, is actually settling down. We, we think that the housing market will be fine. It's like, okay, just remember that someone said that, someone from the FDIC, uh, a, a professional said that, and this was cherry-picked by CNN to highlight that the market's fine. We're there might be a bubble, but it, it's not a bubble that's going to cause the housing market to come down in price. It's like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go to the next one. Goldman Sachs did a review, and this is this is such a fascinating piece of data that came out, but Goldman Sachs did a review looking at the market 16, 16 years later and is saying, finally, this is an interesting data piece. How long have we been talking about affordability? Since last year. Last year, I was pointing out markets all across the US where affordability is the main issue. And Goldman Sachs finally comes out with a report this month that like, okay, you know, after 16 years since 2008, uh, we'll admit that affordability is worse today than 2008. And it's like, we've, if you've been following this and you've been on my channel for the last six months, you already know this, right? This data point already exists. So there's no pulling a, a quick one on you, but they're finally, it's so obvious now the data has been going on for so long that the pros, the guys who are padding, I, I would even say this uh, sentiment or this consensus about the market are finally going, yeah, okay, we kind of have to admit this isn't quite what it, what I was saying it was. Uh, probably from a cognitive bias, probably from a place where they were trying to protect some asset. They were trying to protect some self-interest that they had, right? So let me go into this. I think you guys will like this next. Hey, Todd. <clears throat> All right. And let me share with you guys what I've got on here next. So Zillow, so the news won't talk about this, but these housing it's actually fascinating because no one in the news is going to the actual sources and saying, hey, maybe the experts actually know what's going on. Maybe the experts, I don't know, like the companies who have all the data on real estate actually know what's going on. You will not find this data, report, article, anywhere other than on Zillow, where fall housing market outlook is cooling quickly. Now, this is just an article illustrating that. I'm going to actually show you the chart that shows it, and I'm going to give you access to it so you can save it. You can put it on your favorites, and you can check it anytime during the week, and you will be likely two weeks ahead of any major news, uh, news network because these journalists, they're just terrible at their job. But Zillow's put it out, and they're admitting, hey, we've got a thing here. We've got a problem. Uh, we should probably be paying attention to this. Here's another one from Redfin. Redfin just came out. Notice how you can't find this in almost any news network. 
Like the only people reporting on this data affecting home prices are the actual like companies. And Redfin, frankly, when you go to Google, they don't get ranked. Uh, Zillow, they don't get ranked. So it's like we're suppressing this news to keep sentiment high. And guys, that creates a financial sentiment bubble where our, where we think we are versus where we actually are are two different things. And the smart people get out. The smart people are making their trades and their moves in real estate right now. While we would call them the dumb or the retail investors, they're not doing that. But look at this. One in 10 home sellers are moving back because they're being called back to the office. And so areas like Boise, Idaho, which had the second, I mean, by the way, Utah and Boise, Idaho are two of the states that grew the fastest during COVID, mostly because of the pandemic and remote work, where people are like, oh, I can live wherever I want. Utah's beautiful. I'll get a house out in the country as long as I have internet, blah, 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 right? Sorry, excuse me, I'm choking a little bit. Um, but this is a big deal because places like Boise, Idaho, if you have uh, an issue like this, what does it do? Well, now I have to sell at a market that actually isn't quite as high as it was during the COVID. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Had some... Uh, breakfast that clearly is not sitting right anyways but the problem with this is idaho if you have this going on the issue is now they have to move back they have to sell and now they're going to have to buy at a higher rate which is a huge problem so let's go back to this i like this chart also or i like this article also and this is oh this is a big one and i'm actually i like having this data because i I've been somewhat in the short-term rental uh, market. In fact, I own some properties uh, out of the state that all they do is short-term rentals. And so I'm watching this market uh, really close right now. But let me show you this article also. Again, no one's reporting on this from like CNN, CNBC, MSN, Fox. No one's talking about this on any of those networks. I think they're all maybe from the their... Uh, close ties to regulators and the, and the government being told not to write articles about how the housing market is not as great as it uh, looks. But demand for vacation home sites sits at a seven-year low due to housing costs. It's, it's The correlation, it, it's staggering. And if you look at this chart, you can see the demand for uh, mortgage rate locks for second homes. So this is like not your first home, it's your second home has gone to an all-time low. So people going in to buy a home for a short-term rental, that market is dying. It It's at an all-time low going all the way back to over 14 years ago. And so I have a lot of concerns when it comes to short-term rentals. And the benefit to you and, my, and our viewers, our members, is if you're looking to get a vacation, staycation, you know, somewhere in the country uh, to get a house somewhere that's Airbnb, VRBO. There's great deals, guys, right now. They are not, and the openings, you can get the dates that you want. Uh, sales for vacation rentals have significantly dropped over the last two years. And people who bought during the spike, because the banking industry was like, great, you know, the numbers look good. 
you know, let me sell you another house so that you can do short-term rentals. That is has contracted and those people bought at all-time highs. And frankly, now that their house is only occupied 50% of the time, it's not affordable. And they can't get a long-term rental in there because it wouldn't cover the mortgage. And so we're seeing actually a lot of vacation rentals enter the market. In fact, I got a text the other day with this crazy offer where an, an entire portfolio is trying to sell all of their uh, rentals, all of their rentals, and they're doing it as like a, a joint share project where like you can buy pieces of, I don't even know if it's legal, what they're doing. I don't, I think they've created a security out of the real estate market. And frankly, you guys got to watch for this stuff. There's going to be a lot of smart investors who are going to be looking for creative ways to get out of the real estate right now. And you don't want to be one of the suckers stuck with this false incentive or this false uh, profitable uh, model that's frankly was based off of the last two years. Yeah, it looked really great over COVID, but today, not so much. So this, these are the type of data pieces that I look for. We're going to go into my actual charts uh, here in just a second. Let me make sure I didn't have anything else here I wanted to cover. Yeah, that was it. So before we jump into that, I want to give you this so that you've got access to this chart. So I'm just going to share this on my screen while I pull this up. But if you guys use your phones, you can actually get the link. The link is so long, I'm not going to like show you the link and then have you guys type it out. That would take way too long. But this is going to take you to my charts. This is absolutely free. I do this free for the public. Anywhere, anyone can get on here. I have thousands of people viewing this page every uh, 30 days. And it's become a go-to source for real data and the real charts in the real estate market in the U.S. So grab this, throw it in your favorites, throw it in bookmark it. The way you can grab this is you just take your phone, right? Your camera, highlight, click on it. That'll get you, give you the link. Then you can copy and paste the link anywhere that you like. Feel free to share this with any of your friends. Uh, obviously, it helps show your support for me. And then my links to my socials are on this page. So here we go. Let's click. And we're going to move over to the actual chart that has this on it. <clears throat> All right. So here is the data, not the sentiment, not the consensus, not the what your realtor might be telling you, not uh, what the news is clearly admitting to talk about. This is real data. And looking at this, isn't it, to me, it occurs shocking that the news isn't talking about this, that the news isn't highlighting what just happened. And if you look at this chart, guys, this is median list price. This is the price all across the country. Every home from 50,000 square feet to 500, including condos, the median list price. So this is an average. And we haven't like started building a lot more of like larger homes for a larger price or smaller homes for a smaller price. That generally has stayed the same, right? The house that you're in didn't contract in size or something, right? But this is the median list price. And you can see from the highest point that the market was the market had in uh last year, mid 2000 summer of 2022, we have come off of that and we have never been back. We are not 
at an all-time high. We are not going into newer highs, even with inflation at over 3%. And we are dropping. In fact, if you look, we are at $429,000 on the mean. Where were we a year ago? This is important to know. 427. So we are literally sitting equal to last year. And the news is not talking about this. There's no article. It's like the real estate market has gone stale. There's nothing that says the real estate market has had zero gains over the last year. No one is talking about this. We are. Redfin is. Zillow is. But the news is just leaving this alone. And it's it's some partnership that they do around like, it's the same reason no one's talking about banks crashing. There will be more banks that go insolvent over next year. No question. Next year, you're going to, after it happens, right, there'll be no leading up. I'm the only one that seems to be talking about this, but banks are going to be failing next year because CRA loans are going to be due. There's going to be all this negotiating with banks. And frankly, they're going to, a lot of them are going to be insolvent. They're not going to be able to extend loans. They're not going to be able to do new terms. And uh, they just leverage themselves way too hard. But no one's talking about that either, right? All right. So anyways, there's average list price. So this is the, the median uh, price of a house. And you can clearly see based on the chart. You just can't lie with... You make up the story. You decide what to talk about with this. The numbers are what they are. How about that? Let's talk about average. So mean and average are, are similar. You can see that we came off an average list. Now, this is a listing price, not a sale price. We did get a higher average listing price this year. And that has come way down since September. And you can see where we were in September last year. Down here, we are above the average listing price. But the problem, guys, is inventory is actually going up. So we're actually seeing an increase in inventory. And this is this is a I have to sell at this price because I, you know, I bought it at a high price last year. And so a lot of the, the homes that are selling are selling out of desperation, trying to get a high price because maybe they can't afford it anymore or, or whatever. So we're seeing higher listing prices uh, than we did the previous year. And so this isn't bad, necessarily bad for the market. This is a decent sign that the market would be sustainable if this was the only chart that we were looking at, but it's not. So let's look at price increase count. How many price increases have we seen in home prices? Well, and this is a negative. So we could kind of even tally them up. We've got one negative chart, one positive chart, price increase count. Easy to see guys, right? Not great. Almost all time low. If we were to look at September, let's see where September was for. We're at about the same place. And a lot of that's seasonal, by the way. Like if you were to look at the pricing of the market, by the way, you see how this goes up, down, up, down, up, down. If you were an investor in the market, a really smart investor would start buying through the fall and they'd be selling everything in the summer. Like that would be a, a, just looking at the chart. And a lot of, by the way, contractors, people who do spec houses have no idea about these trends. But based on those trends, that's what you would do. Even in today's market, you start buying stuff up right now, fixing it up into the spring, selling it in the summer, because that's when you get the most in terms of price out of your house. Now, so anyways, another negative one. Price increase count, not great. Let's go into price reduction. 
How many homes have reduced their price? Well, for one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive months, we have been increasing how many homes are decreasing their house value. And it's because frankly, they're just sitting on the market. Now I'm, I, I'm speculating there's gonna be this cross where they just can't do it anymore. You can't have more people uh, basically reducing their price because it goes below what they owe on the house. And so at some point this is going to level off and then what's going to happen is you're going to see inventory listings go up, 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 leveling off in price reductions because they just can't lower them anymore. They're priced, they're priced to sell, basically. And then we'll start seeing data, you know, later about, you know, short sales actually happening, foreclosures possibly going up, which right now the market is just dry. There are no short sales. There are no foreclosures because frankly, there's just, there's no inventory right now. So again, this is our third chart that shows negative data in the market. How about mean listing price? Well, the mean listing price per square foot. So this is how much house you're getting by the dollar. Like, for example, if you go shopping for a house, a really great way to do it is to look at like how much you're paying per square foot, because then you know, like, oh, I'm actually getting a deal based on the square footage size. This is a chart that's which shows similar data uh, where everything is based on the square foot. Now, if you look at this, it makes a lot of sense. It's lower than it was last year. And the reason is, is if you had to sell, if you were one of those people in Boise, Idaho that moved there because of the pandemic and eBay's calling you or Amazon's calling is going, hey, you know that work from home thing, that doesn't work really well. Uh, our profit margins are going down. We need you to come back in the office. You're like, I just bought a house at an all-time high at a midterm rate. And you're telling me you have to sell. So then they sell, they take the cash out. Rates are twice as high. They go buy something. Let's just say like to like. Do you think they're going to get the same square footage or less square footage? Less because rates have gone up. And so their monthly payment could afford a smaller home. And so what's happening, and I think this is actually going to continue, we're going to see the median listing price per square foot continue to drop, meaning you're just going to get less for your square foot. Uh, penny ratio. I really like this chart. This is a chart that really shows the relationship between uh, houses that are under contract versus the ones that are coming onto the market. And zero means that we're at parity. Zero means that th there's uh, as many listings that are going on as ones uh, getting pulled off potentially, right? So we're definitely going into that direction. You could clearly see the COVID uh, spike, right? It's undeniable. There were just tons of houses under contract compared to very few listings. That is changing. We hit an all-time low of the last three years. And let's look at the date, December. If you go back into September, we were here. This is, this is a chart that really is concerning, guys. We were at 6.4 last year. We are at 5.8. So whoever says, if you, if you hear anyone that says, oh, well, there's less inventory than there was last year, or there's less inventory than there was the last, no, no, that's not true. There's more inventory. And 
there's more inventory and less homes closing. Both. So the feds are doing a great job. You know, uh, Bernanke gets to take his victory lap because, frankly, uh, or Jerome Powell, excuse me, Jerome Powell gets to take his victory lap because rate hikes are working. It is starting to suppress the market. It is taming inflation. And the housing market was just completely unstable, guys. By the way, if anyone wants to know on a chart what a bubble looks like, that is what a bubble looks like. This guy right here. Okay. How about new listing count? So even though the new listing count is at an all-time, you know, you could say five-year low, you can tell that the peaks and valleys are definitely uh, in this kind of very slight downtrend. Um, you can see here is September. Let's go look at new listings last September. We were here. So there are less. So I, you could say this is a good chart because based on supply and demand, We've got less getting listed, but don't get too excited about this because just because new listing count is starting to drop, it, how many total listing are on the market? And that's the number you wanna watch because then days on market are increasing. Meaning if you list your house, you're gonna be sitting a lot longer than we've seen historically over the last three years. And so active listing count is going up. Even though the, the amount of homes going on the market, how fast they're going on is slowing down a little bit, not a ton, but a little, how long they're staying on is going up and it's outpacing it. That's what this ratio shows us is that the new listings and how long they're staying on is outpacing the, the market. And so if you look at act, the active listing count going up, you know, here's September this year. Let's see if we can find September last year. We were way up here. So it was better last year. We have dropped on active listings. So you could, frankly, oh, it's really close, by the way. Super close, 70 to 73. You could say that, like, from a supply and demand point, that this is a positive chart. We've got lower listings than we had last year. But if you're someone that studies charts, this is what's called a downtrend. This is what's called an uptrend. We are in a trend where I would I would project that this is going to be in this direction, uh, especially over the next year. And then total listing count has done some unique things where it actually found a bottom. This is a bad chart for the real estate market, even though September and we're leveling off at 11. So we're at like 1.1. See if I can find it back here. We're at 1.19. So it's a little higher. So you can see year over year. And this, again, this is why the news isn't reporting on this stuff, guys, is they just get one data point. Well, what was year over year? And it's like, who cares? Do you know how to read a chart? And this is how you read a chart. Where was the low? Where was the low here? This is a new trend, right? You guys know that it's this technical analysis, you know, 101. Short trend, we're, now we're into a long trend. And so because the new bottom found itself here, as it goes through the normal cycles, I would anticipate that this cycle creates newer highs, finds a higher low, and then we continue to kind of level off. And so this, is a, this isn't great. This chart showing negative news for the real estate market. How about pending listing count? So this is how many houses are under contract. They're uh, pending listing uh, coming off the market. And you can see for September, we're at 
400,000. Let's see if I can find last. So again, year over year, you'd go, this is bad. This, this chart actually overall is probably a good chart for the market. It's showing just higher demand, lower supply. And so this, you kind of have to weigh them out uh, and also the weight of the chart. So we've got kind of mixed reviews. We've got three good charts right now. One, two, three, four, seven bad charts. Median square footage. This shows how much the median square foot that's selling. And this was an interesting chart because last year, the size of the homes selling were smaller than ever before. People were not buying uh, larger homes. Where the homes that are selling now are actually larger. They're uh, larger in square footage. This has nothing to do with price. A lot of it has to do with because higher end homes, and I've been watching this guys, higher end homes are actually dropping in price. The higher homes, the affordability for them, a lot of them are vacation rentals, are having to get listed. That's pulling the market up in terms of the size of square foot that the uh, the market is deeming uh, or is uh, allowing right now. And because there's more high-end homes that are for sale, obviously when they sell, the median square footage is going to show that. Uh, we are all obviously in the decline. This really isn't a great reflection of like where the market's going. It shows more of like what's happening inside of the real estate market. And you can see smaller is, is the trend. Uh, it Although we were in a short trend, and if you're to do a technical analysis on this, we are now in an uptrend. And so I don't foresee this lasting very long. I, I can't imagine like big homes being the next big thing. Affordability is the biggest problem in this country right now. So from a fundamental standpoint, I would say this is, there's just no way this is going to hit like new highs. This chart smaller for less is going to be the new trend. And so that's going to bring us likely into uh, the bottom towards the right. And then meeting days on the market. This shows like how long houses are on the market. Again, the news is not talking about this at all, but if they saw this chart, it makes a lot of sense. You can see we are above the last two lows. Houses are sitting on the market longer than they have over the last two years. But what's interesting about this data is notice the, how, how consistent the rises are seasonally in the past. Look how tight they are this year. The market is definitely contracting and is adjusting to rates with this kind of new market. We have low inventory, but also this contraction in home sales happening. So what? here's my overall consensus on what I think is going to happen, guys. There's a lot of data here, a lot to digest. And because rates are going to be higher longer, and we just got the feds, you guys heard me do my victory lap last week on this. Higher, longer, the feds finally came out and said that we're not going to see rate drops until minimum end of next year, maybe beginning of 2025. That would be the soonest I would ever predict that would happen. So how is this going to affect the housing market? We're going to continue to see contraction until rates stop going up and uh, we see inventory basically start to come back up. So what... The way, the way I would say this is everyone's like, well, how, you know, affordability is a problem, man. Supply is an issue. And I'd say yes, but I think what people are going to be doing is they're going to be bunking up. They're going to be renting out rooms. And I don't know how many of you guys know this data point, but 
we had a supply issue in 2008 where even the news was saying there's so much demand we're not meeting the demand numbers for the housing market it started driving up the prices similar issues as today but we didn't quite have the inflation that we had uh, back in 2008 and guess what happened the market crashed Everyone somehow found a home. Homelessness didn't go through the roof by 50, 100%, right? So like people were like living on the streets everywhere. They just downsized and they bumped up and they moved in with their family members. And guys, my prediction is into next year, you're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see a lot more students staying at home with their parents. You're going to see a lot more uh, basically consolidation is what I would call it. And you'll be surprised very quickly, how fast people adjust to this, how much non-disruption this supply and demand thing in the real estate market actually has. So let's, we are concluding our real estate side of this. Let's jump into uh, our conclusion on the S&P 500. We're gonna get you guys a trade here at the end. So bring this back, share. <clears throat> bring this in. So this was last week. I'm going to make this smaller because this is ridiculous. It's only predicting the last three days. Bring it into the candle. So this is where we were last week. This was right 10-4. Let me just make sure what the date was on that. I want to, I want to nail what Friday was the sixth. So we were clear oh, on here. A quick refresh on this. So. But we're going to do some victory laps on this, and then I'll set you guys up really powerfully for next week. Come on. Here we go. So last week, we had this chart up. Come on. I don't think this was actually my chart. I think I was in my other charts. Let me see really quick here. I might have it on this one. I just want to make sure I'm giving you apples to apples from last week. And I think this is where I actually drew. Yeah, this is it. All right. So support resistance and technicals. For those of you guys who are doing your technical analysis, this is the S&P 500. Today, at today's price, you can see this. We made a prediction about where this was going to be trading from a breakout standpoint, and my prediction that it would actually go into the upside. So last week, we were right here sitting, looking at this support level of, bring this in, uh, 4,200. Bring this back. These ovals are so hard to predict. We drew in our... our uh, non-linear support and resistance. We had this really sharp trend. And if you guys remember Friday, the thing that I talked about with this 
is the likelihood of a breakout in a very tight and sharp trend goes like the percentage just goes way up. So the more gradual the trend, the likely of a breakout is less. The sharper the trend, the likely of a breakout is higher. Why? Because you just can't go straight up or straight down for very long without some retracement and contraction in the market. And so because we kind of had a trend within a trend, this support level became really attractive. And we and we basically said last Friday, this is where the price is going to be. And then obviously, as the days go on, fundamentals change. You got to keep looking at like where your breakout's going to be. And so we we've set those. And we did a really great job. Our uh, 4,337 level, it hit about the second day, stopped, broke out, started the next day, had a full breakout, tested the level, and then stayed above it, and pretty much has sat at this level. So we're going to go back, do some more technicals, get some new support levels, resistance levels, and I'm going to set you up really powerful for next week if you're trading the S&P 500 so that you can be using these levels and setting up your trades based on strong support and strong resistance. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to just make sure we like our levels. So looking at this 4,300 level, let's see if we need to bring it down here. Yeah. I'm just, all I'm doing is just looking at this level and checking it, going back. Yeah, see, I like this, that's strong. And then the recent one actually tested it a little lower and that's why I'm gonna leave it just a hair above, which makes it a little complicated because we're sitting on this price right now. We're actually having a breakout. You can see that it tested it yesterday also. So there's probably some micro support that this is hitting, but I would say that guys, we are breaking this level, which makes it a little tricky right now. It actually uh, makes it like, this would be a potential setup today for a trade. I don't like that it's going over a weekend, but we'll talk about it. So let's get some new levels drawn in. We're gonna obviously delete this. We're clearly in a very sharp new uptrend. Our level here, if we zoom out, is continued. So we just bring this in. I'm gonna adjust it. Oops. Come on, grab it. Let's see if we can get it. There we go. Yep, that's it. So this is gonna continue. Remember how we talked about like the, the shallower they are, the less likely they're, they're going to break out. You can see that happened here. And, you know, 4,200 level was strong support. But we're likely going to stay in this channel. We're likely, the price wants to stay here. And so there's actually this middle layer. If you're going to delete all of this support and resistance, there's kind of this middle area where the price likes to stay. And so, like, anytime we're up here or down here, we're going to want to be targeting a price in the middle as like the safe zone. Same with just regular linear support and resistance. Because we're going into a short trend, I like a sell because we're in this long-term trend. Obviously that the pressure to be in a sell, 
you know, trade the trend is like the number one rule you read in any financial book, any book on how to day trade. Don't fight the trend, trade the trend. That's like the number one rule. So we like short. We just like it. It's safer. It feels better. But now we got to play with these support resistance levels. And if we're going to take a short trade, which we're having a breakout now, it's likely uh, to continue. Like we're kind of in this new zone, you could call it. And if we're to zo zoom in into this new zone, you'd be wanting to set a take profit somewhere in here, but you'd want it to be, you know, more in the middle and up definitely above this 4,200 range. And the nice thing about this type of trade is you could set your take prop or your stop loss, excuse me, really tight. So we're just gonna make some notes on here. I'm gonna give you some sentiment of where this could like, oops, where this could likely go. Draw one about this. Oops, move that over. Because of the size of the candles, I'm gonna make it a little smaller. So this is likely what Monday is gonna look like. We're gonna have trading ranges. And now it could go into this and then create a full body above. You gotta keep an eye on fundamentals. But from a pure technical analysis, this is the hot spot right now for this, for the, this price. And we're Friday, 10 o'clock. You've got a couple more good trading hours. Volume is going to be dying off into Friday. I would be waiting till Monday to make sure that it, the post doesn't happen above this level. If the post happens below, it's probably going to be a quick run. As long as there's no fundamentals that uh, push against it, it's going to be a pretty quick run into this little blue pocket that we've outlined. And so when you're making trades like this, you'd be setting your stop loss right above the 43 level your take profit into here. And once you're profitable, you can lock your profits in and really target kind of a second run. Because what's the second rule of trading? You guys know? One is the trade to trend. And two is to cut your losses short and let your profits run. These are just like the fundamentals, guys, of trading. And so I'm not saying there's other ways to do it that don't work. I'm, not, I'm just saying these are kind of your, so this is like your second setup. If you get profitable in this, the way you let it run is you lock in your profit, you put your stop loss inside of your profit layer. And then as long as this trend continues, as long as we get a hypothetical trend this way, which who knows, this is a big question mark, by the way, and maybe I should write that on here so you guys don't crucify me next week. Uh, <laughs> this is a big question mark. You got to take it a day at a time. From a technical standpoint, none of this, this channel doesn't exist. This bubble doesn't exist. All that exists is this bubble, this big short trend, and this breakout. We have already broken this uptrend. And so this is, as things are really volatile like this, when they crack, the technical analysis tends to win unless there's some major news or announcement that comes out. So I, I love trading when there's high volume because the the retracement game, the playing the technical game is a pretty easy one. Uh, and it's it's pretty predictable. Like as you guys follow me this week by week, uh, Friday by Friday, you'll be able to see like this. You can do this every Friday. You only have to do your technical analysis maybe once or twice a week. And you can start placing your trades. You know, you check in Monday, 
check in Wednesday, check in Friday, and you can basically lock these trades in, leave them. You're not having to like babysit and like watch the mouse and watch the price and click in. No, you just, you set limit orders. So these are trades you could place right now. You could say, you know, put me in a limit order right about here below the current price. So if Monday it hits it, it puts me in short, puts my stop loss up here and you're good to go. Or you could put your, take your uh, initial in limit order to the short side here and you could lock it in way down here. But I would check in on it. If you're, if you're putting your take profit way down into this 42, 26 area, check on it like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then move your stop loss in so that you lock in profit around like the 42.80 level and then let your profits continue to ride. All right, guys. <clears throat> That's it. 10 o'clock's hit. Uh, thanks for being on here. Thanks uh, for your participation as well. I've gotten so many comments on my social and on our channel on YouTube. Uh, I generate a lot of this content based on the feedback that I get. And so if you're one of those people, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for your participation, your comments on my social that generate the content that comes here. You guys have a great weekend and uh, yeah, stay safe, my Market Pulse members. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.